the Old Testament reading according to Jeremiah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clangy cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if you have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for the prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became man, I gave up my childish ways. For now, we see in the mirror dimly, but then, the, then face to face. Now I know, in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been no, fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. And he, that is Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. 
And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and began to serve them. Now as the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I wanted to entitle my sermon, Two Healings and a Preaching Tour, though today's Gospel lesson for Epiphany 4 did not allow for that analysis. In fact, there are multiple healings, as we shall see, and plenty of Jesus preaching also which began in the original situation and continues now. So I re-entitled the sermon, Multiple Healings and a Preaching Tour. There are, to be sure, multiple healings in this passage, as I've said, but two healings predominate. First, the healing of the man with the unclean spirit, and second, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. These two healings constitute the bulk of today's gospel, so we shall begin with the first one, the healing of the man with the unclean spirit. The first thing to notice about this miracle is its setting. It takes place in the synagogue at Capernaum. Now it happens that I visited Israel in November 2011, and there saw a 4th or 5th century synagogue that had been erected atop the foundations of the 1st century synagogue wherein Jesus performed today's miracle. Various clues convey the, con the impression that Jesus performed this healing publicly, that is, in the sight of all. First, the man with the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice, 
So no doubt he was highly disruptive to worship. Second, when the unclean spirit cast the man down, he was apparently in their midst, the text says. The Markan parallel, which records the same incident, though from a differing angle, adds that the unclean spirit threw the man into convulsions. Luke's account states that the demon came out of him, harming him not at all. Both accounts depict the confrontation between Christ and the demon, and Jesus' all-powerful word, which cannot be resisted, be muzzled and come out of him. Then the demon comes out, albeit reluctantly, and taking a toll on the man. But come out he does, because he has to. There really is no true contest. I think a takeaway can be made between the original healing at the synagogue in Capernaum and the sanative healing, hearing, and worship that takes place routinely Sunday in and Sunday out right here in this congregation. You too are exposed to the sanative preaching of Jesus that takes place from this pulpit in the preaching and teaching of the called and ordained pastor of the congregation. And when Jesus continues to preach through the office of the called and ordained pastor, a conflict takes place between Jesus, the Lord of life, and the devil, the prince of darkness. I submit that when the word is read publicly at the divine service and preached thereon, Jesus Christ himself is filling your ears and casting the devil out from men's hearts. In most congregations, people are too polite to oppose the preaching with a loud outcry as the demon confronted Christ. Nevertheless, typically there is some demonic pushback against Christ and the gospel when the word is correctly and faithfully preached. I say usually people are too polite to cry out publicly. Nevertheless, I've seen it happen even when I've been preaching or teaching. And think of the amazement that came upon the Capernaumites as they witnessed the awesome power of the word from Jesus' lips and its impact upon the demon-possessed man. What is this word that with power and authority, because he rebukes the unclean spirits and they come out of people? Is not this Jesus' word, what Jesus' word does yet today, in our hearing as we are exposed to God's word? It drives out all doubt and despair, comforts us in our afflictions, encourages the tired and the timorous saints, and literally drives out the devil and his un, the devil and his unclean minions from each one of us. Enough said. Well, that's the first healing, at the conclusion of which Jesus up and went from the synagogue into the house of Simon. Simon Peter is meant, as is clear from the gospel parallels. And in the parallel in Mark's gospel, it says the house of Simon and Andrew, 
For Andrew it was who heard the Baptist's testimony and said to his brother, that is the famous Simon Peter, we have found the Messiah. So Peter's, so Andrew's pertinence to the twelve lays in his bringing his much more famous brother Peter to the attention of Jesus in the original instance. Now, when one goes to Capernaum today and visits the synagogue, one can't help but notice a large Roman Catholic shrine about 80 yards away marking the likely house of Peter, or as it's sometimes called, the house of Peter's mother-in-law. The text says simply that she was distressed by a great fever, though the Greek might more accurately describe her as being hemmed in or encompassed about by the fever. It's translated fever in the English, but there are some indications here that personification has taken place. So fiery man or even burn man might be closer to what Jesus encountered, namely a spirit again that that concretized the, the fever. At any rate, it was not some abstract disease called a fever as moderns are apt to think erroneously. In the Markan parallel, Jesus seizes the fever-stricken woman's hand. In Luke, our passage for today, he crowds the woman, the woman's personal space, rebukes the burn man, and the latter abruptly leaves or even forgives the woman. That's what the Greek says, erring on the side of literalness. Of a sudden she gets up and ministers unto them. The word translated ministers unto or serves them is the same as occurs in that word deacon, or inasmuch as she is a woman, perhaps deaconess is not too far wide of the mark. At any rate, we have another instance of a dramatic healing and restoration of a great Christian saint. This is like those of you who have been brought by the Savior Jesus from great harm or disease into healing and then immediately into joyous service of Jesus and your fellow saints in this place. Notice how they besought Jesus concerning her. This is the ministry of intercessory prayer where the believers care for and invoke Jesus' aid for one another. The last image we have of this woman is serving Jesus and her fellow saints with might and main. Then as the sun is setting, all as many as were having sick persons with diverse diseases lead them unto him, and he, having placed his hands on each one of them, healed them. Verse 40 of the text. This depicts the intercessory nature of the congregation, of your ministry, if you can see it thus, of bringing the outsiders here to the divine service to hear with their their ears the preaching of Christ Jesus which drives out the devil and the depressive spirits. Do you invite your friends and neighbors to God's house? An application to that can well be made here. In the Roman Catholic shrine set up over the house of Peter's mother-in-law, a bright light illumines the likely place where the multiple healings took place. 
First, Peter's mother-in-law, then countless others, other exorcisms which are not differentiated. The mark and parallel reads, the whole city was gathered at the door. That is, Jesus inhabits his church, which in turn is set within broken communities to bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into the proximity of the demon-possessed. The demons are expelled, and as they come shrieking out, they exclaim, Thou art the Son of God! The same utterance as was made by the affirming voice of God the Father at Jesus' baptism, and the same admission as was twice made by the devil of Jesus at his temptation, If thou art the Son of God! Jesus rebukes the spirits and does not allow them to speak, for they know that he is the Christ. He is on his way to Jerusalem, there to suffer, die, and rise again for the sins of the people. His forbidding the demons to speak again demonstrates his complete mastery over them until he has accomplished the all-important acts of salvation. Well, like I indicated in the title of this sermon, there are multiple healings in this preaching tour. We have seen the healings in abundance. First, the man in the synagogue, then Peter's mother-in-law, then multiple exorcisms performed at the door of the church, the congregation's interface with the community. Now the text ends with a preaching tour, although that's not quite how the text puts it. Following the multiple healings, Jesus retires to a desert place and the crowds seek him out and restrain him, the text says, from journeying away from them. Verse 42 of our text. But he says to them, it is necessary for me to preach as gospel to the other cities also the kingdom of God for I was sent for this purpose. Again, the temptation for congregations is to attempt to keep Jesus just for ourselves and for our benefit, but a divine necessity compels the Lord Jesus Christ out into the other cities, there to proclaim as good news the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God would require another complete sermon, longer than this one, to do a complete justice to But suffice it to say that this gospel preaching brings, brings the kingdom of God's grace to people, and this is what ejects the demons, restrains the fevers, forgives sins, and seeks aggressively to bring outsiders into a saving proximity with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that has been the very picture of salvation portrayed for us today. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.